Just before we get started, I want to share with you one of our sponsors and a secret to our success. I don't know about you, but I got into commercial property to build a more passive income. But how do you manage multiple clients and contracts in multiple buildings without spending all of your time on endless spreadsheets? After a lot of research, we use Office R&D, the best flexible workspace software to manage our CMO buildings, co-working and flexspace. For starters, the automated bill run saves hours of work and means we don't miss any revenue. Plus, I can get many reports on the performance of each product and location. But here's the real clincher. We all need to focus on customers more and our clients can now use our app to access buildings, book meeting rooms, review their invoices. And there's a great feature where they can interact with our member community. And this is all managed from within the Office R&D platform. There's a partner link in the show notes so you can book a demo. Take a look, see how the system can improve your operations and customer experience. Right, make yourself comfortable. Let's get on with today's show. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This show is all about commercial property investing for the private investor. Whether you're just getting started or scaling up your portfolio, through interviews, tips and lessons learned along the way, we want to give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm going to do a brief update for you today about our container storage purchase that we did during lockdown. It's 2020 we bought this site. And I just want to give you a bit of a flavour for how it's going, because I know that um, having conversations like that, lots of people are interested in container storage. So I'm going to go through how that site's been working, the numbers, and then at the end, I'm just going to remind myself as well as anybody else, some of the things we have to think about if we're looking at doing this as a business. So let me just remind you about the site. I mean, it's a relatively small site with under 50 units on it. Now, when I say units, these are 20 foot steel metal storage containers. They're all external, there's nothing indoors, it's a bit of flat ground with some tarmac and gravel and whatever, that's it, and fenced in. We have our own containers not too far away from there, and what we felt, which we've had for a long long time, and what we felt was the price being charged on this potential acquisition was just not enough. This is for the rental, for the units. The market rate was significantly higher. That was our opinion, but of course, Only our opinion, we have to test it. So we managed to secure the site. And over the last 18 months, two years, we've been working on um, improving the offer and improving the, the, the income. And of course, the other thing just to throw in here, this was not too far away from our um, another location of ours So we, that is manned. So there is somebody close by at hand to deal with anything, which is something you do need to think about if you are going to do this, is who's going to deal with those inquiries. Anyway, numbers. So when we bought it, the net income was just over 28000 a year. Not huge, but not insignificant. Now, two years later, 18 months, two years later, we've managed to lift that to 37,000. Still not a huge pile of money, but nevertheless, makes a difference. And that meant the uplift is 31%, in fact, nearly 32%. The other benefit that is hard to quantify, which we have managed to, I feel, get from gaining this site, is achieving 100% occupancy on some of our other locations due to cross-selling opportunities. This site was always full. It's certainly, in the uh, as long as I remember, the site's always been full, but that was because of the price point, which I'm going to go into in a little bit. Some of the reasons why, the psychology, I think, about why it was full all the time, apart from the fact that it was cheap. But the 
other locations that we had were not running at 100% occupancy, but since we bought this site, they have maintained 100% occupancy. So there's definitely a value in there. I can't quantify it. I mean, I probably could give you a guesstimate, but basically the point is that there were some other reasons to get this, apart from also there was a building attached to it too, which was a different project for us. Anyway, once we've completed our uplift, and I'm going to go into how those things, those numbers have changed, then the prediction is that we will end up with an uplift of about 55% on the net income, which will actually equate to 30% ROI on the overall purchase price, which is actually one of our investment criteria. When we're looking at projects, have they got the capacity to produce 30% return on investment? And this isn't on capital deployed and all that stuff, which in my mind sometimes is just nonsense. It's actually about the total capital that is involved in this project, the purchase price and anything else you've had to put in there. So it should give us about 30% ROI, which is not too bad. Now, bearing in mind, this is not a building. This is a series of containers, which are movables. So it is looked at differently, particularly in terms of valuation. Come on to that in a minute. So anyway, what did we actually do? Well, when we first took over, one or two of the containers came up vacant. We then effectively remarketed those at what we felt was market rate. And then over the last 18 months or so, Every time somebody moves out, all we've done is increased it to market rate, relet it at that market rate. Now, in there, we did do an annual increase for everybody. Some was a little bit more than others, but it wasn't the full increase up to what we feel is market rate. That's not really fair. So what we do is we incrementally do that change. But nevertheless, that has helped contribute to that extra uplift. But by the time we've gone through the whole process and customers moved out or we've got up to market rate or whatever it is, then that return on investment would be around about 30%. Now, having said all this, yeah, the income will be good, but we do plan to invest some of that back into upgrading the site. We need to make the access more secure, the lighting and just general site security and those sorts of things are going to need upgrading. So we will be putting some of that money back in to do that. Plus, we will need to replace some of the containers because, as I said, don't forget, they don't last forever. And that's why they're not seen as a property investment per se, but rather a trading business investment, which then has the appropriate kind of valuation multiple applied to it. So if you think about um, commercial property that maybe has a lease, you might get a multiple of 10. You might even get higher if you're lucky or if you're buying it, not so lucky. <laughs> but in terms of containers as a trading business, then the multiples are less. You might be looking at a three or a four or a two or somewhere in that kind of range on the, a multiple of the net income as to the value. Now, don't forget the containers themselves will maintain a value. And as I'm sure those of you who've been looking into containers will know, the price of the stock is really high and is still high um, due to COVID, lockdowns, China, blah, blah, blah. Containers are around about £3,300, that sort of price level. You could buy secondhand, but their price is high too. And we've had containers now for over 18 years. And the ones that have been on the sea, been retired, and then are secondhand and bought for this sort of business, we still have some of those containers still operating. But, you know, they really are needing a bit of a replacement. So... Although they will last for a long time, they won't last forever. 
So you do need to build in the fact that you're going to have to pay some money out for new ones. Obviously, one would hope during a time when these things don't cost quite so much money because the price does fluctuate. It does go up and it does come back down. Let's hope. Let me introduce you to a key partner for our storage container business. Wheelbox has over 20 locations throughout the UK and their own transport, which is just one of the reasons we choose to use Wheelbox for our container requirements. All of their products are available for hire, lease purchase or outright purchase, so you can create a balance between capital expenditure up front and cash flow over the longer term. They also have their own in-house fabrication and conversion facilities which allows them to create bespoke container or modular designs just for you and as part of the service the team provide a fully comprehensive self-storage consultancy package to anyone looking to expand their current sites or breaking into this fast-growing industry. Now I'm really excited to tell you Wheelbox are currently offering a free aerial site survey for you, our listeners. Just quote CPI Network when you get in touch and they'll create a site drawing showing your optimal container layout. Now that's really useful. Perfect for you to maximise your drive up storage ideas. So check out the show notes or simply type Wheelbox into your browser and reach out to their amazing team to discuss how Wheelbox can be a key partner to you unlocking your self-storage goals. I can tell you about five key points that I think are really important if you're looking at this strategy, okay? It is a great cash flowing business, by the way. I love it. And you don't have any boilers, you don't have any sinks, you don't have any plumbing, you don't have any customers with deposits and PRS systems and loads and loads of legislation looking after the customer, but nothing about the landlord. It's different. It's commercial lettings. And if somebody isn't paying, you can change the locks. You know, you need to make sure you've got that in your contract. But you can do that sort of thing in this industry. It's so much easier and the pendulum is much more balanced. So anyway, five key points I think you should remember if you're looking at this strategy. Number one, it is amazing right now. There is money to be made in this business, but we will get more and more competition. The barriers to entry are not too significant. They will become tighter. So you have to make sure if you're going to find a location for this, that it's a really good location. Signage, traffic, foot traffic, that is really, really important with container storage, self-storage. You need to be visible. And if you get more and more competition and they're more visible than you, it's going to take more to get that customer to come and see you. There are other ways, of course, of marketing than just having a good site and a good location and signage, but it's, I think it's going to become more and more important as we go on. And as I said earlier on, our other sites that filled up as a consequence of acquiring this site was directly related, I feel, to the signage and the location because this site was much more prominent than our others. So it allowed us to cross-sell because inquiries would come into there. We couldn't fulfil them there, but we had another offer to make for somewhere else. So bear that in mind. It's amazing right now, but there will be more competition. Second thing is get really good at those marketing channels. Uh, to fill up your units and, of course, to keep them full. So there's all sorts of things. There's internet, and, of course, on the internet, there's lots of things there too, whether it's Google Ads, whether it's um, any of the platforms that maybe actually list storage, although I have to say they're not as strong in the UK as they are in the US. They're getting better, but they will find you customers if you list on them. There is, of course, um, direct messaging and mailing. There's direct adverts. There's Facebook pages. There's all, all the various things that you can do, they all know about all those different channels on there. But as I mentioned, there's signage. There's leafleting. There's dealing with 
depending on your target market, whether it's dealing with maybe removal companies or state agencies, depends what your market is. We try and focus in on, on business customers rather than domestic, but there are lots and lots of routes to market and you need to get really good at all those different channels. Third one is make sure you do get planning permission. <laughs> I know that sounds a simple one, but as it tightens, as the industry gets tighter and there's more and more competition, um, if you're in an area where there's maybe lax planning right now, I think um, that will change. Fourth one, they don't last forever. As I mentioned earlier on, they will last for a long time, particularly if you buy quality units, secondhand. And um, when I say secondhand, sorry, I mean um, one trip containers. So basically they're coming over here with a load of goods. The goods get offloaded and you buy the container and they get used once. Now, bear in mind, they are built for sea transport, for seafaring and for salt. So the Core 10 steel is designed to last for a long time. And if you buy a container that's only a one-trip container and it's nowhere near the sea for the rest of its life, they're going to last a long time. The ones that we bought 18 years ago that were second-hand then had already had a life on the sea. So goodness knows how old they are. They must be at least 30 years old, I would think. And they're still going strong. The fifth one was find the right balance between price and churn. Right, what do I mean by that? Churn is the, the description really for customer changing. So vacancy rates, how many times are you changing customers in a particular container? Are they coming in for six weeks, six months, 12 months? When does the next one come in? It's the churn. How often is the customer changing? And for me, churn is the cost of a higher margin. And what I mean by that is the higher your price the more painful it is for that customer to remain in your storage. You've got to figure out what it is that you want. Do you want higher margin and are willing to pay the price of more churn or do you want less churn, less hassle, but lower margin? So for instance, think about this. If somebody's paying £70 a month for a container for a particular project, say they're, I don't know, they're redeveloping and a bedroom in the house or something or a study they hire a container put all the stuff in and then when it actually comes around to going and getting their stuff back if the price is low they might not bother i'm not saying they don't bother getting their stuff it's just not painful enough for them to go and cancel the start their direct debit or the standing order or whatever it is used for a payment method and they don't actually go and get their stuff they just put more in and they just use it as an extension to the house if that or the business but if the price point was £200 a month, then it's a bit more pressing. So if they've got a project they're working on or a house move or something that's happened at the office because they need more space for a certain employee and now that project's finished, they will try and get that stuff back out to cancel that £200 a month because it's just a bit more painful. So if you think about that in the context of churn, if you have a lower price, which is what was happening on the container site that we bought, there was just a lower price. People had been in there for donkeys for years and years and years because it just wasn't painful enough. They were just paying their £70, 60 whatever it was they were paying. I mean, it was ridiculous. Very low rates. And there was no pain, really. They just carried on paying it. And it takes a while when you're like that to churn those customers out without being uh, provocative, which you don't really want to do by putting prices up too much or anything. But effectively, once you get to a tipping point where the price is high enough that it starts causing a pain, people will still use your space because there's still that demand out there. There's hyper demand, but they may not stay for as long 
as if it was a lesser price. So you just have to make that choice. What is it you're trying to get out of container storage? Is it a really good high return for which you're willing to pay a little bit of inconvenience? Or is it less churn, the less hassle, but less income? And you're just going to have to work that out as you look at your sites and develop out what you're trying to do. So needless to say, we're looking for more sites, of course. So if anyone listening thinks they might have one that they're not going to use, or indeed actually any other multi-let opportunities, then reach out. Actually, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast. And and if I think about it, we're 120 odd episodes in. I don't think I've actually mentioned that before. (laughs) So if anyone out there has any sites or locations that they think might suit our model, then please, by all means, get in touch. We will offer a fee if anything ends up going through as a deal. So bear that in mind if you're out looking at stuff. I've done that myself. I've come across a really good set of buildings. And in the end, it just wasn't right for us to consume those buildings at the time. So we sold it on. You can maybe do the same. Just reach out. All the um, contact details, etc. are in the show notes, as you would expect. So last thing to say is anyone who's listened to this or previous podcasts and you've enjoyed it, you've got value from it, you're out there doing things, please just take a couple of seconds to leave a positive review on iTunes. It really helps with the algorithms for us and helps our numbers go up. Our listening numbers are going up and up, which I really appreciate. It's fantastic. And it's allowing me to reach out to more individuals to come on um, to be interviewed on the podcast. So long may that continue. Thanks very much. Get back in the swim. Enjoy your week and we'll speak to you again very soon. enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.